This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber today, if you love this podcast enough to throw a dollar at our face, go to patreon.com slash Breakaway and support us today. New stickers coming soon. Got the mock-ups. We'll be ordering and shipping those out in the next couple weeks. Hopefully you guys enjoy that in the Patreon. And as always, we're always looking for a sponsor, so please sponsor the podcast. Okay, here we go. Hey, Bush Rebecca, I'm here with my co-host Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. I have no idea how people listen to this on one and a half times speed. God bless Joe Banks. Um, welcome back to the show, Blue Shirts Breakaway, where we cover all Rangers topics all year round, every Tuesday I'm happy morning. you mentioned that we're a Rangers show. I have a hot take to start right off the bat. Yeah, so Pete Alonso. Uh, not, I wasn't going to go there, but the Rangers should sign him to play defense because uh, he's, a big, he's a big body. I saw He's a, he's a high-character guy. He is. That's I heard. what the Rangers like. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hot take. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are yeah, you I have down? one after you. I'm actually sitting. Are you prepared? You're not sitting. I am. I am not sitting. I, I don't sit. Um, the only thing more overrated than Bryce Harper is it's always sunny in Philadelphia. This is a terrible take. <laughs> this is an awful take. <laughs> no, it is a, it Yo, is a perfectly Greg. mediocre comedy. This it is, is not special a in any way. Really bad take, like a truly <laughs> awful one. This uh, I cannot and will not talk about this. Now I'm not like a staunch sunny defender or a sunny like guy. I've only watched, and I'm going to take flack for this after my reaction. Like the first mm-hmm. six or seven seasons, I've kind of slowly progressed over the past year. I'm not really a big TV guy other than the Rangers and like very few other things. Uh, so, but everything I've watched of Sonny has always been like, this is a fucking amazing show. So it's perfectly, it's perfectly fine. It's not gospel. Like some people would say crazy wrong. You know what? I'll do the same thing. The only thing more overrated than Bryce Harper is Brooklyn nine, nine. Wow. What a terrible take. That show is truly a vanilla sitcom that has the same beats all, all the time. No, you're. You're just dumb. You just, I don't think I, you we're, we're having the same argument to thought. each other. We're, it's not a smart show. It never gets deep. It's jokes per minute is whack. It's never like it a never real. It never gets deep. It never gets deep. What like are you talking deep, about? Deep with the jokes, it, not like deep with emotions. last week was about sexual assault in the not, workplace. Not like deep like in, in the sense of emotions. Like deep as in these jokes are very meta. So for yeah, example, this is becoming out. a comedy you're just, critical podcast. You're just podcast. an idiot. I don't know what to tell I you. I just called you an idiot. You're an idiot. This... <laughs> Is a Rangers podcast. <laughs> you know what? This is this is a take spoken from a guy that went to community college. That's all I'm saying. My take? Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's my take. I didn't go to community college. Th- and this is, my take was also a guy who has a master's degree. It was pretty interesting. How are you using that master's degree? How, are, how, are, you, how are you using your degree, Greg? <laughs> I, I'm, I work in news. I went to school to work in broadcasting, and I, that's what I do. I went to school to psychoanalyze you, which is what I've been doing for the last three and a half years. Oh, God damn it. Uh, where were we? The Rangers. I don't know if I want to talk about the Rangers after this blasphemous take I heard from you. I You wanted hot. I gave it to you. Yeah, we came out firing. I like the new segment, though. The only thing more overrated than Bryce Harper. It's pretty good. You uh, want to know how many years? I, just, I got to move off of Bryce Harper, but I got one more. Well, you got 13 years, years to stay Bryce, on him, so. 
You want to know how many years Bryce Harper has posted a higher war than the war Brandon Nimmo posted last year? One. Two. Okay. He, his ridiculous MVP year, and then I think he had one other year where he posted a 4.8. And last year, Nimmo had a 4.5. Listen, Brandon Nimmo, the god. The Rangers! <laughs> there we go. Let's do it. Hockey. Let's talk hockey. Uh, we're on hot takes zone, right? We're, this is a safe space. Not really, though. Um, Not think, really, I but think, yeah, no, yeah. hot takes fine. Yeah, let's do it. These next amount of games till the season ends don't matter whatsoever, and we should lose everyone. We should lose every fucking game. And I really don't. I don't care. I, the fact that we beat the Devils kind of upset me. I think the team is talented. I think the so team while has... You were, while, while you and Strom, uh, Strom... Wow! While you and Woj were streaming on Friday, you, you understood how I, I got that com- confused. Yes, uh, I yes. Very, very I was names. with our good friend Jeff at yes. his place doing things I do with our good friend Jeff. Yes, I'm aware of this because uh, I had many people in the chat ask me, "Where's Greg?" And I said, "I, I don't I know. was on another planet. I don't That's know where Greg, Greg is. is. I, he said he'd show up, but <laughs> I, I I don't know. Raise a much bunch of money for, uh, for a, a very good cause, the 11 Day Power Play Cancer Research Fund. And if you want to go check that out, you can check out Will's Twitter. Okay, nice plug. Absolutely, it's a great cause. I wanted to be there. I forgot how to use technology. That's okay. We had a um, we had a good time. We had the Devils game on because Jeff, of course, who's been on this podcast Huge multiple Devils times, fan. is a big big Devils fan. It's the first time I watched the Devils game from start to finish that didn't involve the New York Rangers. I that that's not a professional hockey team. That would be a bad AHL team. That was my takeaway from the game I watched of them against the Capitals. What is your, All they have going for them is a penalty kill. What are your thoughts Everything on else? Corey Schneider? Corey Schneider is the kind of athlete that I legit feel bad for because it's a guy that was insanely talented at the peak of his powers, and I feel like that power got drained early in his career for circumstances he can't control. Wow, this you is a great – this is an amazing injury. transition. I can't believe you just set me up for this. Kevin Shattenkirk, huh? So – Speaking of uh, people who were at the peak of their powers and got a knee injury or some sort of injury and out of their control, I'm sure you read the Larry Brooks article, which was... It was ridiculous. An insane article. I just can't see in any world where the Rangers buy Kevin Shittenkirk out this year. Shittenkirk? Shattenkirk out this year. There's no absolute way that happens. What, what incentive would they ever have to do that? To buy him out? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. No. First of all, he has trade value as it currently stands. It's we, We've tried to squint our eyes, look real hard, and find trade value for guys like Brendan Smith if you're eating half the contract or guys like Mark Stahl if you're eating half the contract. You, you can get more if you eat some of Shattenkirk's contract, but there are plenty of teams in the NHL that would take him for $6 million right now because – they would much rather have Kevin Shattenkirk for two years at a $6 million rate than have to pony up anything for Tyler Myers on a five-year deal. Absolutely. It's you, just a fact. There's, there are definitely teams out there that would convince themselves like, hey, Kevin Shattenkirk, maybe change the scenery, maybe with our medical staff, he could probably change this around. Here's the other thing. This is something we've talked about on the podcast before too. What the fuck was everyone expecting when we signed Kevin Shattenkirk? I, think, I don't think he hasn't been he, – he was hurt last year. And this year, I don't even think it's been an up-and-down season for Shattenkirk. I think he's been perfectly fine. I just don't know what people were expecting when they signed him. Maybe a little bit more power play production. 
Some of that is the Rangers weren't putting him on the first power play unit to begin with. The other part of it is Tony D'Angelo is a much better power play quarterback than Kevin Shattenkirk. That feels weird. That's not a knock on Kevin Shattenkirk. That is absolute, the highest of high compliments you can give Tony D'Angelo. It's not Shattenkirk's fault that he's not better than Tony D'Angelo at the power play. Tony D'Angelo is elite on the power play unit. He's fantastic. It's so weird to say. The guy that we were like ready to trade for a seventh round pick like four or five months ago. Like, oh, an elite power play player. Mm, interesting. Yeah, just, I just I'm, want to turn around. I'm confused. I'm really confused what people thought they were getting with Kevin Shattenkirk. We, we've we said it multiple times. At his peak, Kevin Shattenkirk is a really good second-pairing defender who has a high level of skill in the offensive zone and will have some shortcomings in his defensive zone that you're going to live with. Has he been anything other than that? Uh, yeah. He's I mean, he's, good he, this year. he's been a step slow. He's definitely a more methodical player and has lost some speed due to injury. He's been And the fact that he's adequate. 30 years old now? Yes. And father time is undefeated no matter what happens. I think people thought when we signed Kevin Shattenkirk, because he was like the big free agent that year. Like he was the guy. So we got the top free agent and he hasn't really turned out to be anything else. Now, in an alternate universe, he goes to Tampa Bay for seven years, which is uh, supposedly was a rumor. And was out there as a contract that was offered to him. But maybe that changes the whole Tampa Bay dynasty. Who knows? Maybe they don't even trade for Ryan McDonough. Well, at that case, who fucking knows? But I, I think they know, or they thought at least, Ranger fans, that Kevin Shattenkirk was coming here as a defensive savior. But he is not that. He was never that. So then it's about managing your own personal expectations. Because Kevin Shattenkirk isn't living up to your own personal expectations doesn't mean Kevin Shattenkirk has been bad. I'm just really confused about the kind of player someone like Larry Brooks thought Kevin Shattenkirk was coming to New York. I don't think I don't think he's been a disappointment in New York. I'd say he's lived up to about 80% of the bargain in this season. He hasn't necessarily surpassed my expectations but I would say expectations were met at the minimum I just I I don't I don't know what everyone is expecting of Kevin Shattenkirk I don't don't understand it's like you're asking Jason Vargas to be a 20 game winner what are you doing come on dude relax Kevin Shattenkirk (laughs) on every great team that Kevin Shattenkirk has played for when Kevin Shattenkirk was at the highest of his value he wasn't a top pairing defender he was the number one power play quarterback and he was a second-pairing defender on really good teams. So when a really bad team brings in a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, it's going to muddy the water for him. Well, I mean, I think I, I think he thought he was coming here to play with another player. It didn't happen, and then he got injured, and even, ev- even everything, if, everything went wrong for Kevin Shattenkirk. Even if he's paired with Ryan McDonough, I'm just confused. Like, it's a, that's a fine pairing. But on a playoff team, I still don't think that's a first line, first defensive pairing. I think if Kevin like if Kevin Shattenkirk was on the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, would he, he'd probably be. He'd definitely be if, the third pairing. Let me, let me put it this way: when Kevin, if Kevin Shattenkirk signed the contract with the Lightning instead of the Rangers, so this is pre Ryan McDonough, mm-hmm. he's still not on that first pair. Probably, he's definitely not. He's hundred percent. And that's not. a, and that's a Stanley Cup caliber team. So if he's not a first pairing defender on a Stanley Cup caliber team, why are we? a team most certainly not a Stanley Cup caliber team, expecting him to be a first-pair defender and for us to be good. 
I don't think anyone expected for us to be good this year, but I expected more out of Kevin Shattenkirk when he first got here, and that's on me, hands up. I, did, I thought... Well, I don't think that's on you. I think he blew out his knee. I agree. The, I, I think it's out, out of his control. Season, he played half a season on a bum knee. And for sure, it's still coming back from that, and now he's 30, and father time, again, just not going to be very kind to him and his knee in the future. I just but, don't understand what people were expecting. But buying that, him out really is dumb, and that will never happen. Never. No, I... I can't believe the New York that Jeff Gorton and company are even talking about it because after this season, he'll have two years left. He's still a valuable defensive player. You can trade him. It's not a full no move clause. It's a, I believe it's a limited no trade clause. So if he says, I'm not going to these 10 teams, you can find a partner on the other 20 teams you need to talk to easily. Yes. I don't understand. To, to suggest that there is, not just a conversation continuing to unfold about whether the Rangers will buy out Kevin Shattenkirk or not. Larry Brooks knows a lot more about the ongoings in that front office than you and I ever will. I will 100% admit that every day and twice on Sunday. At the same time, Larry Brooks is not undefeated. He is not right 100% of the time, and he has gotten plenty of things wrong over the years, like, for example – him saying flat out the New York Rangers were not signing Kevin Shattenkirk in the first place. So pardon me if I think he's off his medication by suggesting the Rangers are going to buy out Kevin Shattenkirk. That's insane. I almost feel bad for Larry Brooks because for me, you know, we do this podcast every week and we have to drum up topics that we're going to be talking about. And sometimes it's like, okay, what the, I mean, in mid July, we're like, what the fuck do we talk about? But, you know, especially even now, towards the end of the season, where it's these, like I said at the top of the show, this games, these games don't really matter too much. Larry is is pushing this out there for page views and paid clicks, and that's what he's doing. I can't, I can't bring myself to think that Larry Brooks actually thinks this is going to happen. He's writing it because he knows people will click it, and people like us will talk about it, and that's it. I I think Larry Brooks thinks it's a real possibility. I don't think he's doing it. I think he's insane. he's putting it out there as his opinion for page views, absolutely. But I, I think it's his opinion that the New York Rangers need to walk away from Kevin Shattenkirk. And since he hasn't heard Kevin Shattenkirk's name in trade rumors from the front office, he's coming up with a scenario in which to move Kevin Shattenkirk out of the New York Ranger locker room. And it's, it's just flat-out ridiculous. You can trade him. It, it, you can sell him for 40 cents on the dollars. You can get at least what you got for Adam McQuaid for Kevin Shattenkirk and not retaining any money. Why you would do that, I have no idea, but that makes a whole lot more sense than buying him out and adding, what, four years to your salary cap register? Yeah. There's just no need. Why would There's we do that? zero fucking need. If the Rangers put Kevin Shattenkirk on waivers tomorrow, he gets claimed that full contract. So, like, if you even... If you want to simply walk away from Kevin Shattenkirk, the contract, you put him on waivers and a team will claim him. Like, oh, thanks. There's, there's, yeah, there's just no scenario where you buy out Kevin Shattenkirk. What are you doing? You're going to buy out that Mark Stahl or sense. you're going to buy out Brennan Smith. Those are your two buyout candidates. I really don't. I just, I'm on your bank. I'm on your corner now where there's, they see Stahl as an extension of the coaching staff. Yep. He's a, he's a locker uh, room guy. That's the He's way it is. He's a locker room guy. And I'm telling you, I don't think you have to buy out Brandon Smith. Which, is, which just, brings me to the point of maybe we buy out nobody. Well. It all depends on, is, on the been, expansion Seattle draft. 
really. One thing that's been floated out there that's interesting by Larry Brooks and I think uh, our friend Rick Carpinello. Oh, Rick. I don't think there's a not 0% chance that the Rangers, as hot as he's been and as great as that trade has looked, for salary cap reasons, I think there's a chance the Rangers could buy out Ryan Strom. Hmm? Hold on. Um, <laughs> no, me. Well, well, let me let me explain it. Excuse so me while I process this. I'm very confused. Please go on. Um, so he's making 3.1 okay. against the cap next year on a one-year deal for a guy that's proven to be a solid middle six winger. However, because of his age, if the Rangers wanted to buy him out, they're on the hook for less than $500,000 of that salary for one year. So it's an easy way to open up over $2.5 million of cap space by cutting ties with Ryan Strom. Hmm. At the same time, I feel like Strom has done enough to reestablish his value on the market where if he became a free agent, I think he's getting more than $3.1 million anyway. So at, at some point in time, you have to take a step back and realize you'd be saving money. Like you're cutting off your nose to spite your face almost. Because Strom's been, Strom's been great. He's been on fire this last week. He's probably been, since the deadline, I think it's safe to say the Rangers haven't exactly played their best hockey. Uh, yeah. You, you can think? make... You, you can make an argument that Ryan Strom has been one of the two best Rangers since I the trade deadline. Three, yes. I'll put him third. Chris Kreider has not been good. I didn't have Chris Kreider in the top three. It's just, just, for, it's been a just for clarity. But Pavel Bushnevich, I have number two. Ah, fair. Okay, good call. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I personally, I would not buy out Strom, but we have to at least paint it as a possibility because – of the specific cap relief the Rangers get by doing it. Uh, I don't think it happens. Like I said, I think Strom is a good middle six winger on even a good hockey team. So when you're the New York Rangers, and we heard it again today, Bob McKenzie saying, the New York Rangers want to get good in a hurry, right? Mm -hmm. The only way you're going to get good in a hurry is having guys like Ryan Strom eating minutes on your third line. I you need to have really want Ryan Strom to stay. I feel very passionately about Ryan Strom being on this team next year. He has yeah, done, he has done everything I, I want him to do since the trade. Everything in And then some. Yes. I think and then some. I, I think he has surpassed every expectation we would have had for him. He's third on the Rangers in points since the trade, I believe. That is a stat. I think he has 12 points in his last 14 games or something like that. Yes, he uh, sure does. And that is good. Uh, very quiet, some empty netters and some other things, but he's been amazing. And to have him, uh, he's a player you want on the team, especially when you're pitching uh, Artemi Pranarin, which I guess I have to change my tune on if he's coming or not, it seems, very soon. Because uh, if you're pitching him, you're like, hey, I have a bunch of these guys. We have Vlad Nemeskov, we have Pavel Bushnevich, we have a bunch of Russians. Chris Kreider speaks like six words of Russian. Putin came out today and said, you can't dis disrespect the government, so you're still over here, so that's nice. Um. Yeah, so I think it's you not could... it's not it's not points, by the way. It's goals. He's oh. third on the Rangers in goals since coming over. There you go. Um, I think, yeah, I think you you could pitch uh, you could pitch Artemi Pernarin and say, hey, we've got a lot of quality guys here we can build around with you, and these are players that we're going to be totally fine with, and you'll be happy to play with. And I think I think not, I, don't, I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's just about pitching Panarin on that. I just think we get so caught up being like, oh. 
can you imagine a first line of Kreider, Zibanejad, and Panera and just how special that would be? As special as that would be, we've seen the Rangers with a top-notch, highly functioning top line this year. Recipes and if you don't got pieces behind it, it doesn't mean a whole lot of anything. It doesn't. Um, you need guys like Ryan Strom further down your lineup. You know who would benefit from playing with Ryan Strom next year? Vitaly Kravtsov. Mm. Kravtsov isn't going to get thrust right, especially with David Quinn, right? No, We've not seen at all. Kravtsov's going to be on that fourth line, like at least seven or eight games of the first ten, and I'm going to be so fucking pissed. But yeah, he'll, he'll, that's right. Where he'll but be. you know what would benefit Kravtsov is if one of his line mates and his introduction to the NHL is a guy like Ryan Strom, who does a lot of things right in every zone. Strom is Strom, in hindsight, should not have been the fifth overall pick. That's not his game. If you put those expectations on him, you're going to be disappointed with the end result. But at the end of the day, he is a super solid forward that is defensively responsible when you need him to be and can produce offensively that you would want a young player getting their feet wet wet in the NHL. with. That's valuable. Part of the reason why Pavel Buchnevich has taken off after the deadline, I think a, a lot of it is David Quinn's tone and messaging with Buchnevich. But the Rangers have players further down the lineup where Buchnevich is playing with them, it's not exactly like he's playing with scrubs anymore. Part of the, one of the big reasons why we kept getting so fucking mad about Buchnevich playing fourth line minutes with Elaine Vino is the makeup of the fourth line. But when you have guys further down your lineup, like Ryan Strom, Vlad Nemesnikov, those are legit NHL players that have the ability to lift up the talent of the guys they play with. So if you have young players playing with them, your young players are going to look better. And if young players look better, you're going to want to give your young players more minutes. And if you're giving your young players more minutes, they're going to produce more and you're going to have a better team. So I, I agree with you. Ryan Strom is, I, I, I'm not going to say he's part of the solution, but if you want to be a good hockey team, you need at least one Ryan Strom, one Jesper Fast, one Vlad Domestikov. The fact that that line works and they're so they're versatile enough to play with whoever, whenever, that is of insane value when you have a young team like the Rangers do. And I still think I know we, this is going to sound fucking stupid, uh, as many things I say are. We've lost the last six games. I still like a lot of the talent on this team. I think we have a real nice future coming up, and I I think this is the most optimistic I've been in two years. I like listen. Lieber Hayek got hurt this week. He's got a separated shoulder. He's probably not going to play again this season. Or is that confirmed that he's not going to play? Probably. I would. It's it's safe to assume, right? Because he's not coming back. Even if it's a two week injury, he would then need a week of practice. And now you're getting into the first week of April, which is the last week of the season. Yep. And at that point, why rush him back? It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make which is a bummer, by the way. Hayek, he he was excelling, right? He He was doing. Extremely well. His breakaway goal was goal was a, or not joining the rush rather was very good. I was excited. It was a nice moment for him. It was I. It was what three, four, five game five cameo. Games, yeah. At the same time, it's hard to envision a scenario after this cameo where the Rangers aren't trying to make sure he gets one of the six spots to start next year. I think the, like, we've talked about this uh, multiple podcasts. Again, a phrase we say every single time. We've talked about this forever. Are we, are we Phil Sims? Um, I think Brady Shea. I think Hayek. I think Tony D'Angelo. 
Is that it? Shattenkirk. Yeah. You have the makings of a respectable defensive core. I think the problem is one of the names we didn't mention is Mark Stahl, and he will be a part of this team, and he will get minutes. Yes, he will. And I still think the elephant in the room is what the Rangers do with Neil Pionk. And the other elephant in the room is even with as many defensive options the New York Rangers have in-house, it is very clear that an out-of-house option needs to come in in order to make that defensive unit better, which means someone else is losing a job. And we will have to see who that someone else is that loses a job. I think that that the two biggest questions this offseason that we are going to spend a lot of time talking about. So much time this summer. Not just what they do with Pionk, but they they know they have to still add defensively. So if you know you still have to add defensively, the question then becomes, all right, who's the next guy to lose a job? And I, I think the answer to that question will tell us just how well this New York Rangers front office can understand what they have defensively and evaluate their defense because that is still the dark cloud that hangs over Jeff Gordon. We have no reason to believe Jeff Gordon, Lindy Ruff, well, definitely not Lindy Ruff, but we have no reason to believe that Jeff Gordon and David Quinn can accurately evaluate defensive players because we haven't seen it. We've seen guys like Adam McQuaid get a ton of ice time. We've seen Neil Pionk have almost no adjustment to his ice time. We haven't seen anything to demonstrate to us to tell us they know what they're doing defensively. Because quite honestly, and I'm I'm curious how you're going to feel about this, one, Tony D'Angelo was scratched tonight against the Oilers. We should say we're recording this on 721 on a Monday evening before the Oilers game four hours from now or something like that. Right. And I don't want to bring this up being like, oh, the Rangers are scratching players again that they don't know. I am at a point with this season where I don't care who gets scratched and when. Um, It is a very long season. This is the first time in his career that Tony D'Angelo has been given a consistent top four role. So if Quinn just thinks the legs are giving out from under him a little bit, fine. Give him a night off. I thought he's been pretty good recently. Just just my just my two cents. I think his passing's been superb. I think he has some bad moments, but he's learned a lot. I think it's been excellent. Yeah, I I really it could be and it's Tony D'Angelo. So anytime we bring up Tony D'Angelo, we have to talk about the fact that there might be an immaturity thing that we're missing That's and we don't know about. Uh but same with Leah Anderson. Anderson has played a lot of games in North America for the first time in his career. If Quinn just thinks Anderson needs a night off to continue his learning process, so be it. It seems to be working with other young players. I have no reason to think it won't work with Leah Anderson. But back to D'Angelo. Um, I do wonder how much credit we need to give David Quinn for man management, because I think it's been superb. I think it's off the charts. He has made Tony D'Angelo feel like a viable long-term option on the defense, which, again, three other coaching regimes gave up on this guy. And David Quinn didn't, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But I wonder how much of the improvement in D'Angelo's game is just getting his head straight. Like, I, I, I don't know how much responsibility the Rangers should take credit for for him being a viable defensive option. I think you could make the same argument about Buchnevich, whereas 
Like the, the only the, they were their own worst enemy. The knock against Bushnevich has always been his motor, right? It's always been right. How how hard can we push him? And I guess the culture, which has been our this whole year has been about culture, right? That if we had a thesis about this year, it would be rebuilding and, and culture. And David Quinn has instilled a culture of let's redefine what hard work is and what you think being an NHL player is. And the two people that have benefited the most of that. Because both we, – we all knew. Pavlovich's skills have never been in question. Tony D'Angelo was a high-rated prospect for a reason. The guy could play hockey. But the culture has changed those two things, and those two players have benefited the most out of anybody on the team, with the exception maybe of Mika Zibinijab. But I think that's not even a culture thing. I think that's just Mika's healthy, and he's fucking amazing. That's it. I, I agree with you on Mika. But, yeah, that, that, that basically is the nail on the head right there. It's – the Rangers were able to remove the elephant in the room with those two guys, which is just effort and mentality. But it, it and we, how many times in our lives have we heard people say, if he can just get out of his own head, he'd be really good? We've heard it in like every sport. If I could get out of my own head, this podcast would be way better. If I got into my own head at any point, this podcast would be way better. Way darker. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Probably. Well, uh, welcome to self yeah, like, the podcast with Greg and Ryan. Like, Tony D'Angelo, talent speaks for itself. So I, David Quinn has been able to remove all the noise surrounding the talent, and now the talent is shining. But my original point was that doesn't help us understand how David Quinn evaluates or coaches defensive players. And I think that is the thing that continues to linger over this team because – if you don't have inherently good defensemen on your team and your defense struggles on a night-in, night-out basis and you don't do a lot of things to change that lineup on a night-in and night-out basis to help eliminate the struggles, I think it's perfectly fair and reasonable to ask what can we expect of this coaching staff to do with any defensive core moving forward. So this, this offseason, to me, is going to be the offseason that tells us if the Rangers want to be competitive again and if the Rangers know how to be competitive again. Because signing Panarin is great and good. The Rangers absolutely need players like that offensively because right now, as great as it is to have guys like Strom, Fast, and Nemestikov, you can't have those three guys playing top six minutes. So you need offense. But the Rangers, they know their defense is trouble. And they know the long-term future of their defense was bleak, which is why they focused so hard on it in trades and in draft uh, allocation. But now they need, if they really want to take the leap, if they really want to be good next year, they have to bring in a high-end defender. I mean, And if they don't, then I think the question becomes, if they sign Panarin and don't bring in a high-end defender, I would consider that a failed offseason. I don't know how you would feel. I, I feel like it's failed. I mean... The best way to describe this to any Ranger fan is who's really excited for Artemi Panarin is this. And maybe I'm reading this wrong, but I don't, I don't believe I am. Currently, the Blue Jackets, who you consider a good team, correct? Very good team, on paper. They are not in the playoffs. Correct. So, if you I think, don't think any of that is of Panarin. If you you're think, not saying it's of Panarin's fault. I'm not. I, my point is... If you think Panarin is going to solve all these teams' issues, you're looking at the Blue Jackets, which is a way better team than the New York Rangers right now, 
who have our Tampa Panarin and have had him all year and are not in the playoffs currently. Or losing out the, to the Carolina Hurricanes. I will say, though, the Blue Jackets not being in a playoff spot is one of the oddest things I've ever seen because it – well, not one of the oddest things I've ever seen because I see it every year with the Washington Nationals where – Wow, shots fired. That's, it's a team with so much fucking talent. It doesn't make any sense that they're not hovering around 100 points a year. I mean, think of that team. Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, Cam Atkinson, Artemi Panarin. There's a lot. They of added Matt team. Duchesne. Yes, they, they added. They added so many pieces, and their their fourth line would legit be a solid second line, maybe one of the better second lines the New York Rangers have had in years. So, and not to mention Sergei Bobrovsky, who historically has been a very good regular season goalie, one of the five best in the leagues over the last five years. And John Tortorella has coached Stanley Cup champions. So the fact that it's not working is befuddling. And now, and don't look now, by the way, the Capitals and Penguins are getting hot. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Go, go figure. And the Islanders really are good are, hockey are, teams turning it on when they need to turn whoa, it on. Whoa, and the Islanders are going to fall out of the second place and probably fall to third. So listen, we'll all see how it plays out. But for now, let's go over to our resident prospect correspondent, Drew Way who will be joining us to talk about all things Rangers, some prospects, and uh, the end of the season. Transition. We're back with our resident prospect expert, Drew Way. Everyone clap. Yeah, you're clapping in your car. Drew, say hello. Hello. What's up, guys? Welcome back, my friend. It's, it's been, a, it's been yeah. a, lo- a long time since we've spoke, but I'm sure... It's been a long time since you dropped a my friend on someone, too. It's, I, I felt like it was a special occasion. I had to let Drew know where he stands with me. I appreciate that. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, both, it seems like both of us have been super busy recently. I mean, normally we talk all the time outside of this podcast, but I've been kind of a ghost on the Discord and stuff recently too. So apologies to everyone in our Discord for that. I've also been a ghost on that Discord, which I need to get back to. Uh, But all that aside, let's start talking Rangers. And I know that Greg had a list of things he wanted to ask you, but I'm going to go ahead of him and say a question I I kind of brought to Greg at the top of the podcast was, should we win any more games at all? Um, should we win any more? Yeah, I mean, I would say. Do they matter whether, at all? Well, well, I would say winning or the result of the game isn't nearly as important as like key players developing properly. Unfortunately, one of those real key players just separated his shoulder. But the thing is, but uh, what, what what do these games really matter? Is are any players seriously going to take a leap forward in their development in these next like thirteen games? No, but you want to see trends that you've been seeing, like guys like Tony D'Angelo playing well, and you know Howden's getting back from his injury, and hopefully can round into form, and hopefully Leah Anderson can take off and things like that. <laughs> Two of the guys but we mentioned are benched like, tonight, so there you go. Yeah, and well, then also like I mean, when you look at the draft too, this coming like everyone's talking about the tank, like. The Rangers could lose the rest of the games and probably still have need lottery luck to, you know, to get Hughes or Kako. And even with the way the lottery works, even if you're the worst team, you still have about a 50% chance of picking fourth. So it's, you know, it's all, I, I really think like rooting for the tank is for a lot of people, just a, a way to make losing feel better. It's like, cause they, you, you know, the way it feels when you're watching the game, you're naturally pulling for the team to win. And then all of a sudden when they suck and they lose, you're like, Oh yeah, the tank. Woohoo, We lost. I think you figured me out. I think we, we, I didn't know. I don't need to go to the therapist anymore. And I'm really happy you did that. <laughs> no, I also, I mean, like a, seriously, sorry. Go ahead, Greg. 
Well, I was just going to say one thing that I, I feel like we forget about that's important for player development. I don't expect any player to take a leap in these last 15 games or so, but we've seen quotes about how Filipinos fucking tired because it's a long season. I think it's important to have these games because if you really want this team to make a playoff run, Filipino is going to need to know what it's like to play in 70 plus games a year. He's going to have to work through whatever sluggish malaise he's in right now. You you can't practice for being tired after a 65 game stretch, right? So the only way these guys are going to be able to get legs under them or know what they need to do in order to stay fresh in April is by playing in April. So I, I'd say yeah. I'd say that part is important in terms of do I expect anyone to make a leap? No, I don't expect I don't expect Tony D'Angelo to become a Norris contender in the next 15 games. But I would want Tony D'Angelo to know what it's like to play an entire season in the NHL. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I also think that, you know, people, especially people like myself who are big into analytics, we sometimes uh, ignore the human, not maybe not ignore, but downplay the human element of the game. But it really is important. Like if you talk to any professional athlete, and I'm not just talking about like these bullshit interviews where they're just spouting cliches, but like if you really talk to them, like the, the emotional side and the human element of the game is real. And if you go and lose 14 games in a row, I don't give a shit who you are. Like that's not going to be good on your psyche. And sure, they'll have a long summer to get over it. But, you know, that's not good. Like, that, that, that can hurt, you know, guys' confidence and things like that. And, and we've seen that cause severe issues with players in the past. And, and so that would be, like, the real fear of just going and losing out. Silence. The thing is that... Well, I was expecting you to chime in, in with something there, right? I was not. Sorry. I'm not. I was, I was out of things. Uh, I guess the, the way to look at this is... I guess I, I don't really buy to the narrative of, hey, it really matters these last couple games. But actually a fun stat is the Knicks currently have a 14% chance to get Zion Williamson. The Rangers currently have a 16% chance to get a top three pick. So listen, if you're really looking at it like that, it looks a little better. You got 2% more odds than getting Zion Williamson. Come on, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the Knicks. This, that's just depressing. Well, the Dolan, As- the Dolan thing is really sick. It is not fun. As, as someone who went actually went to a Nick game, uh, all I have to say about that game, besides Mitchell Robinson is my grown 19, 20-year-old child, is uh, God damn, is De'Aaron Fox fun to watch in person. Was that Holy you that shit. yelled at Dolan, by the way? No, it was not me, uh, sadly. Uh, that would have been a story for all time, by the way. <laughs> that nah, would have been amazing. Dolan, Dolan would have immediately known that I am a Jewish brethren, and he would have like entertained the possibility of selling the team to me. That's basically what He would have given you a kazoo. <laughs> the solos. They're deep. We would have gone to Simcha Torah's uh, services together the next day. I don't even know what you just said, but I appreciate yeah, it. <laughs> but I appreciate it. All right. Look, look it up. Educate yourself, people. I will not. Uh, so, when do you think Kraftsov's coming over, Drew? Uh, I mean, by all reports, there's no indication one way or the other. Like, there were the early reports where everyone was like, oh, he's coming over immediately. And then people were arguing about whether or not he should play the 11 games or whatnot. But right now, I last I saw, he's like chilling his hometown for a bit. Maybe he'll come over for a cup of coffee at the end of the season. But it, I, I have no inside information to that. I'm just relying on, you know, the same Twitter accounts that you guys are relying on to try to figure I, that out. I guess the better question is, do you think it's important for him to come over? 
No, I don't think. I think this argument's been completely overblown. It doesn't matter that much either way. The thing that matters is the 11 game mark. It's. I, I don't think burning one year of his ELC is that big of a deal because something that people often don't bring up is if you burn the one year, then he's going to be eligible for RFA one year earlier, and you might get him for a lot cheaper because of that, and that could really mitigate it. Like, look at Braden Point right now. Like, sure, Braden Point was good last year, but this year he's borderline MVP candidate, and now his RFA deal is coming up at the end of this year. Like, imagine how much money the Lightning could have saved if he was an RFA last year instead of this year. So that's like a, a mitigating factor to his argument of, you know, the ELC and burning one year of it. Um, but the 11 games, the thing that matters because of the expansion draft. Right. That's, that's basically where my mindset is. If, Saints. if giving Kravtsov 10 games with the New York Rangers guarantees him being in North America next year, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like that's really all that matters at this point. I yeah. just want my eyes set on how do I get Kravtsov over here for next year? And if it, if it's basically, a give him the ELC and let him burn a year off that deal so he can play 10 games in New York and start his transition to the NHL life now, as opposed to next September, that's worth a year to me for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I know he's, I mean, we, we mentioned him before you came on. We mentioned him quickly when you first came on the Hayek injury, hard to think of anything like, like, I don't know of a situation that would bum me out more than Hayek getting hurt. I guess another head injury to Mika would bum me out and a serious injury to Hank would bum me out. But I'd probably have Hayek third on my list of, man, that sucks for these last 15 games. That's really disappointing. What were you seeing from him that we weren't seeing in Hartford? Because it well, is well reported that he was just having a shit season in Hartford. Yeah, well, one thing I should say, too, and this is something that, again, I didn't see that much of, is uh, it's not that uncommon for goalies and defensemen to suck in the AHL but then be brought up and do well. You have to understand the AHL lacks, relatively speaking to the NHL, pretty much completely lacks structure. And it's very common in the AHL for forwards to look way better than they are because of this lack of structure. It gives them a lot more space to operate with. That's why you see guys like Vinny Lettieri look amazing in the AHL then come up to the NHL and look completely hapless. Um, but it, because of this same lack of structure, defensemen and goalies often really struggle. Just look at what Carter Hart did for Philly this year. He was awful for long stretches in the, uh, of the HL this year. I mean, he started to turn it around before he got called up. But it's it's not that uncommon to see what we're seeing with Hayek, where a young defenseman struggles mightily in the AHL, um, but then gets called up and he looks way better because now he's playing within a defined structure within the confines of the system. And, you know, you can say a lot about David Quinn and some of the decisions he's made with rosters and this and that, but I think he's been a pretty good coach. He's had a pretty positive impact on a lot of players. And the team is much more structured and disciplined this year than it was last year. Um, and, and so I... I don't think it's stunning that Hayek's looking a lot better at the NHL level than he did in the AHL. No, Do you think Hayek has done enough for you where he's not just in the conversation for an opening night spot in the Rangers' lineup? Ah. Oh, okay. We get it. No problem. No need to get upset. Uh, do you think – would it surprise you more if Hayek doesn't open the season with the Rangers next year? I mean, it depends on what moves they make in the offseason. Right. Um, you know, it's, if, if no major changes happen on the blue line, then I'd say 
firmly in the argument for a spot um, on the team next year, but I don't think it would be a nope. You pen, you know, write your name down in permanent marker. You're on the roster. I mean, at the end of the game, this was what five games. Um, but you know, he like he looked really good in these five games, as everyone and their mothers pointed out on Twitter and social media and everywhere else. And even like when you look at his stat profile, like his his advanced metrics were crazy. Like I was digging into it a little bit this morning, and you know, uh, I like those relative the teammate metrics that Evolving Wild have, which more or less tries to isolate like the single player's impact from everyone else on the team. And he was first among again extremely small sample size, but he was first on the entire D. I, uh, among uh, first in the entire team among defenders and relative to teammate expected goal uh, differential and relative to teammate pure goal differential. So take out, if you don't like the expected goal models, just in terms of goal impact, he was first among defensemen. And then he was first on the entire team by a lot in Corsi differential, uh, again, relative to teammate. Well, I guess the the way to look at it, there's no there's no positive for Hayek going down. At all. No, there's no positive off of it. No, he separated his shoulder. And that's the type of injury that can, you know, pop back. We saw it with McDonough. After McDonough's shoulder injury, he really wasn't right for a little while after that. No, not at all. And there's no. That... Sorry, what was we... that, Greg? Well, I was just saying, like, we... Ryan asked the question of is there any point of winning any games the rest of the season? There is zero point in trying to get Lieber Hayek back into the lineup this year. Oh, yeah, none. He's, he's on the shelf. He's done. Uh, yep, yep, no, absolutely. Drew, I feel like the last time you were on, I asked this question too, and it was I, – I don't want to have the same conversation verbatim, but you obviously probably saw the Larry Brooks article also, which Greg and I talked about earlier. Is it insane to, to buy out Kevin Shattenkirk? Can you confirm to me that it would be nutso to buy him out? Oh, yeah, that would be really stupid. And he's been better than most people are making him out to be. It, Kevin Shattenkirk's a classic example of how, like the CB, how like the salary cap has ruined like fans' enjoyment of the game. If you ignore, if Kevin Shattenkirk was making two million dollars a year, not a single soul that at least knows what the fuck they're talking about would be complaining about Kevin Shattenkirk right now. But because of his contract and everything like that, that's you know coloring everyone's expectations, and so that's where a lot of the complaining's coming from. Got it. It's the money. But no, I think it would be. I, I think it would be batshit crazy to buy out Shattenkirk and especially you have to re- remember like again I was talking about how the human side of the game matters like mm-hmm. so Kevin Shattenkirk regardless of if you think he deserved that contract or not the fact of the matter is he did take a discount to come to New York mm-hmm. specifically because he wanted to play for his hometown team now you're going to go and buy him out do you know what that would do to the relationship with his agent and Kevin Shattenkirk, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but I'm pretty positive he's got a fairly well-known and powerful agent. Yeah, go go burn a bridge with a good agent, and, and good luck getting any UFA signings from that agent again. Yeah, that's a good point that I did not consider. Um, Greg, did you want to talk to Drew by any chance about prospects? Us? Talk to Drew, our prospect writer, about prospects? I don't know. I mean, that seems That weird. doesn't sound right. Drew, you wouldn't uh, have to. Maybe... For... <laughs> no. Drew, uh... We, we started a new segment on Blue Shirts Breakaway called uh, The Only Thing More Overrated Than Bryce Harper Is. Uh, what is your only thing more overrated than Bryce Harper today? Um, Craig Button. What? <laughs> he's a, I'm Craig, <laughs> nah, he's a, Craig, Craig Button's a, the pros, like one of the main prospect analysts for TSN, and his lists are always the worst. And you can always tell when people base their analysis off of him because it's just ripe with terrible, terrible takes. Um, no, it really, the most overrated thing since Bryce Harper. Um, uh, 
That's a good question. I have no idea. Greg think, said, think on it while you're telling us about prospects. Greg I said, said the uh, only thing most overrated is oh, always God. sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's, uh, it's oh, just I not that special of a show. Hockey. We're talking about everything? Yeah, everything. Oh, everything. Oh, yeah, everything. Yeah, everything's okay. a play here, Joseph. Yeah, so the most overrated thing since Bryce Harper would have to be the argument about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. Oh, here we go. <laughs> There we go. Very nice. Okay, let's we, talk, let's talk we've prospects. Introduced, we've introduced a new question. We'll give it to you after this one. And as a father, I'm sure you'll be able to answer it accurately. That's true. All uh, right. So you have your mock, I'm sure, coming out eventually uh, on BlueShirtBreakaway.com. Who are the players the Rangers should be targeting if we don't get the top two right now? Okay, so yeah. So the way I have it right now is I have a tier from three to ten. So you have obviously everyone knows wow. using Kako or the top two. And then the next tier is from 3 to 10. Some would argue that tier is 3 to 12, but there's two guys in that tier that I just don't like as much as some of the traditional pundits. But that second tier of mine, 3 to 10, is Alex Turcott, Trevor Zegris, Bowen Byram, Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs, Kirby Dock, Alex Newhook, and Arthur Kaliev. Love Kirby Dock. Future Granger great. Yeah, no, yeah I, um, I like guys named Kirby. It, there's a lot of fun we can have with a prospect named Kirby. He blows. Yeah. It sucks, rather. Whatever. Um, it's a shitty Nintendo joke for everyone listening. What is, what is the player that you were the most fond of? Like, who's your guy in that tier? Well, so that my, I always fall in love with guys that I think are like yeah, most people have like the late first round. I'm like, no, this guy should go earlier. But from this tier, I mean, it would be sweet. Alex Turcott and Trevor Zegers are both on the U.S. Uh, national development team the U18 team and they're both like absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, you know, there's Zegers play typically plays on the line with Jack Hughes. And there's like a lot of fear of like is his production, like based off of Hughes. And it's not, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Evan Oppenheimer, but he's like a Ranger fan on Twitter. And he does a lot of the, uh, does, does a lot of data analysis and stuff. And he has this, uh, he developed a metric called betweenness, which in essence measures how reliant a player's production is on like other guys or like how much of a pl- driver they are of production. And Zegers is like completely independent from Hughes, like awesome. Um, and yeah, him and Turk had both centers, both, you know, five eleven, six foot. Zegers is like a more dynamic guy. Like Zegers is the one when you watch, he's like deking in and out of everyone and putting up like the highlight reels. Whereas Turcott um, is arguably the best two-way player in the entire draft, but he's also really, really good offensively as well. So my takeaway from everything you've said here, other than I will come to know these players very dearly, very quickly, is that no matter really where the Rangers land, if it's in the top 10, we're in a pretty good shot here. Or position, rather. Yeah, I mean, really, really, if they're in the top 12, they're in a pretty good spot, because there's a couple guys that, like, Vasily Podkolzin, the guy I spoke to you guys about last time, like, I have him in the next tier. But unless teams are really afraid he's not coming over from Russia, like he's probably going to go ahead of some of these. Um, and then there's a kid, Matthew Boldy, on the U.S. team that, you know, a lot of teams like him a lot too, and he can easily go in this range. So I'd say as long as you're in the top 12 or 13, you're in a pretty good spot to get a, a guy that could potentially be an impact player. Do you have or have you identified who the Drew Way Memorial Ty Smith prospect is this year? 
Yeah, to this point, there, there's uh, the guy that I talk about the most, and I think I mentioned it last time I was on, is Pavel Dorofiev. Yep. He's, uh, he's got, yeah, he got called up from the KHL. I mean, he's not producing much in the KHL, but, like, he just looks the part. In the MHL, like, the, the minor leagues there, he was completely tearing it apart. He was putting up, like, a point and a half per game in the MHL, which is, like, really impressive. He's, like, six foot. Like, he's a string bean right now. Like, the, the only hole in his game is he just needs to get stronger. But, like, he's, you know, 17 and a half. Uh, hopefully, he'll get stronger as he ages and works with NHL, you know, training uh, crews. But the kid, you know, has a full, you know, 200-foot game. He's but really dynamic offensively, especially with the puck on his stick. Really smart player. I mean, he does everything well. I'm, you, you can probably tell when you listen to me talk about, you know, prospect stuff. I'm always drawn to guys that do everything well and don't have, like, one or two glaring weaknesses. And, and Dorfiev is that. But then he's also super talented, can score, can pass, you know, can defend, and he's great in the neutral zone as well. Um, and so he's a guy that, like, Bob McKenzie's rankings are usually the best barometer of what NHL teams are thinking. Bob McKenzie's rankings had Dorfiev, like, 60th. I have him right now at like 13 or 14. <laughs> wow. Um, so he, he, 60. Yeah, so he's probably, yeah, I mean, and a lot of guys have Dorfiev in the first round. So like McKenzie's ranks, which are, you know, he pulls scouts and stuff, are really the outlier. Most people have him between like 20 and 40, somewhere in that. But um, yeah, I like him a lot. And then another guy that I like a lot that some people love, um, some people don't, is this defenseman from Sweden named Victor Soderstrom. And, like, if the Rangers are going to do that thing where they might reach a little bit with their pick on a guy that most mm. pundits don't have. The Rangers, at like nine, huh? Interesting. So, Soderstrom, Soderstrom's a guy I could see them doing it with. And he's a guy that is pretty similar to Nils Lundqvist, um, except he's probably um, not quite as um, good of a passer, but better, you know, uh, defensively. But he's a very good, you know, two-way defenseman, mobile Great with the puck on his stick, um, can pass it, can shoot it. Um, he, he's one of the more complete defense. He, he's probably he is the most complete defenseman in the draft. That's not named Bowen Byram, in my opinion. Interesting. Um, making it a little bit more Ranger centric again for you, since mm-hmm. again you are our prospect guy. This is what we do. Can you give me the name of three Ranger prospects who have taken a significant step forward this year, and one or two prospects who dropped the ball? Yeah, I mean, Tarmo, you, you can't have this conversation without bringing up Tarmo Runinen. He was, I think, what, a fourth-round pick in 2016. Um, and, I mean, he wasn't even – like, if I were going to be talking about, like, my top 20 prospects in this offseason, like, he maybe was kind of sort of in consideration for, like, 20th. Um, right now, I'd probably have him in, like, the 7, 8, 9 range. Wow. Um, he's been amazing. And he's leading in among uh, – I think he's 19. And among all 19-year-old or younger defensemen in Liga, like the Finnish Pro League, he's um, number one in his age class in terms of point production for defensemen. Um, actually, fun fact, I saw this on Twitter today. I think it was the Rangers, like, stats and info page tweeted it out. But there are four players – four Ranger prospects that lead their pro league – in uh, point production for defensemen in their age class. Uh, Rykoff leading the KHL for his age. Nils Lundqvist is leading the SHL for his age. Um, then Tarma Runinen is leading Liga. And... Keandre Miller. Oh, yeah, Keandre, yeah, Keandre Miller, duh, NCAA. So he's one. Uh, would you put Rykov as Ranger prospects that have done the most movement this year? 
Um, no, I actually liked Rykoff a lot. Um, I think Rykoff did a lot of movement during the season. I thought he started off pretty high, but then he was kind of getting dicked around by his team because he was on a phenomenal team. Um, I think he was on either one of the two powerhouse KHL teams. I'm, I'm pretty sure he close. was on SKA and wasn't getting ice time. To yeah, move SKA and the, uh, no, the other one confused. But yeah, he was on SKA and they weren't playing him. And then they, apparently they had like uh, like issues oh, behind the scenes and they traded him. And since he got traded, he's been fantastic. Um, I would say Morgan Barron, who's probably my, my boy, and who yeah did the most for stock. And you and I both like liked him a lot, but you know he got very little talk. Um, but no, he's been fantastic, and I think he's led Cornell in scoring as a sophomore, which is really rare. For, and he led it by a lot, and that's pretty rare for you know a sophomore. Um, and then the third that's really uh, risen. Um, I mean, I guess. Joey Keane because of his early season stuff. Like when he was drafted, everyone was furious for some reason. And then two weeks later, he was na- named as uh, to the U.S. team, and all of a sudden, everyone loved him. That just shows how everyone's usually talking out of their ass when they're <laughs> reacting to the draft because there was like no play in between. But hey, he was named to the national team, so obviously this must have been a steal of a draft pick. I listen to nobody um, but you with when it comes to prospects. I just <laughs> I just put my fingers in my ears and I go la 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 until you say something. But yes, I guess those three have probably uh, done the most rising. Um, you know, apparently a lot of people all of a sudden realize Neil Blunquist is really good too because of some of the production he was putting up before he got injured a few weeks ago. So, is there is there a guy who you've been more disappointed in than others in terms of Ranger prospects? Uh, I mean, I guess it would have been Hayek until he got called up, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Sean, I, I would say Sean Day, if it wasn't for the fact that I kind of wrote him off like last year. He's actually been doing better recently, but I just, I'll never understand why some people continue to really cling to him. Um, I get that he's an amazing skater, and like when he's on his game, he, he really does look good, but that's like, like one every 10. It, it's like, so, you know, he's so ridiculously inconsistent. Um, yeah, that's really it. I mean, for the most part, the Ranger prospects have all developed fairly nicely this year, I think. It's been a nice step forward. Do you think that uh, – well, I guess the first thing I'll ask you really quickly is what are the chances you think that, that Dallas re-signs Zuccarello? I think they're decent. I mean, Sean Shapiro said in a piece that he wrote for The Athletic not too long ago that Dallas and Zook, neither of them really give a shit about the drastic implication and whether or not – Zook resigns there will just come down to does Zook want to stay in Dallas but Sean Shapiro had like a couple quotes and I had tweeted them out like a week or two ago when he published that piece but he was pretty adamant that like the stars don't care about that drastic implication and that they like Zook a lot and it's just a matter of does Zook want to resign there oh god bless that would be amazing <laughs> that would be so nice uh Drew where do you stand on Offer sheets. Do you are you worried enough about the Rangers giving up a potentially top fifteen draft pick in next year's draft to not sign a guy like Jacob Truba? Um, I'd rather just trade for Truba than offer sheet him at this point, given where we are in a rebuild and some of the pieces we can have the trade and how much I like some of the draft guys. I'd say, but I mean, it depends on the player. Like Truba, okay, cool. I mean. In essence, if you're picking in the top 15, like you're hoping and praying the guy turns out as good as Truba. just depends on how many picks. My issue, my real issue would really be giving up two first-round picks because if they suck again next year, like that'll really fucking hurt. And then, because like, you know, part of the fun of this year sucking is, oh, our draft pick next year. 
But say they sign an offer sheet and somehow the team doesn't match, and now they have to cough up two first-round picks. Like, imagine how awful next year is going to be if the team sucks again and you don't have a first-round pick. Well, the good the good news with Truba is, and I've I've stared at the compensation ladder for offer sheets. I think it's anywhere in that six and a half to eight million dollar range. It's just the first, second, and the third. Yeah, so you're yeah, not giving up multiple firsts. Yeah, it's, it, when you're talking the you know the uh, Mitch Marner and guys and like Braden Point, that's when you're talking about giving up multiple firsts. Yes. But then again, if you're talking especially Braden Point, I mean, I'd give up anything to get Braden Point. So, but. You know, it just it, from a selfish perspective of like a fan rooting thing, like it would hurt not having the 2020 first round pick, especially because of how loaded that draft is looking to be right now. I feel like we say this about every draft. Am I crazy? Like every time. Oh, this one, this one. I mean, people do, but this one's different. Like there are like eight or nine guys in the 2020 draft that would probably go in like the top three this year. And like if Hughes and Kako were next year's draft, they probably wouldn't be going to like five or six. And that's not really because of Hughes and Kako. That's because of how just insanely loaded next year is. Who's the top guy of that draft? Alexis Lafreniere. He's uh, just, if you go to prospect-stats.com, like Alexis Lafreniere is, I believe, leading the entire QMJHL right now in primary points per game. And he's still, he's not even in the draft year yet. He's, he's incredible. He's, the best prospect there are some that he's probably the best pro- prospect since Connor McDavid. And this is including Austin Matthews. Whoa. I did. Yeah. Not... He's, he's abs- he is unfucking believable. I did not know um, any of that. So yeah. I... Yeah. The kid is, in, in, he's, he's amazing. Just go when you get off this, if you're bored, you just go on YouTube and just search Alexis Lafreniere. Um, good luck spelling that, but uh, yeah, he's no amazing. Uh, Greg, <laughs> before we let Drew go, do you have any other final questions you want to ask him? Well, just piggybacking off what Drew said, I, I believe I, I'm going to get the name of the stat wrong. I think it's ENHL that like evaluates future values of prospects. There's and, a lot of variations of that stat, yeah. Yeah, but what, I, I forgot who tweeted it out, but Lafreniere is the, has the highest future NHL value of all prospects not currently in the NHL, and he's not even in his draft year yet. That is yeah, and it's probably – Close too, I bet you. Wow, he's what? It's not even close. He said, "I said uh, no." It was. I like. I had to do a double take because I was like, "That's a name I haven't seen a lot of." I wonder why I haven't seen a lot of that name. And then I looked it up, and he's like twelve. And I was like, "Oh, okay, he's LeBron James. Got it. No problem. Got it. Totally no makes sense. He's great. Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable." All right, Drew. Thank yeah, you so I, much. I don't folks. know. I just. Oh no, I, I'm just piggybacking off what Drew said. Um, there's always ways to acquire first round picks. So if you have to give one up to get Jacob Truba, I'd just fucking do it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Like I said, it's I mean, I'm a big Truba fan, so I'd be cool with like that giving up the first, second, third for him. But it's I don't know. I don't know if uh, I I'm not skeptical. I think an offer sheet might happen this year. I'm just skeptical that a team would let the guy go. Truba, well, they're in a hell of a salary cap situation because they have to extend Dave uh Connor Kyle Connor and they have to extend Patrick Line. And they have to fig- they have to extend Josh Morrissey next year. They have to figure out what they're going to do with Tyler Myers. They just gave Blake Wheeler, who's forty or whatever he is, eight more years. They're uh, they're in a weird spot. But I, you guys ever think to yourselves, do you hear other people talking about Jacob Chuba, or do you think we started talking about Jacob Chuba and now other people talk about Jacob Chuba? I feel like you, by yourself, did this. Uh, I am all for it. I just. 
I feel like I've put Jacob Truba's name into Ranger's mouth. I feel like I you started if- this entire narrative by yourself because I've seen it nowhere else but you. <laughs> and it, and the only reason why you see it other places is because we have people from the Athletic on, and I'm just like, why do you think about Jacob Truba to the Rangers? Every person no talking about that's Jacob been on Truba? the last four months is like, what about Jacob Truba? And I'm like, where is Greg getting these sources from? <laughs> yeah, we have we have, we bring like someone like Allison Lucan on, who is a Blue Jackets writer. And I'll just go, Jacob Truba, give me your thoughts. What do you think, <laughs> Rangers? Drew, do you think Jacob Truba's coming to the Rangers? Uh, I, I, you know, I just heard his name so much in the last two minutes that I'm officially sick of him. Fuck him. I don't want I, him. I thought you hung up, to be honest with you. Drew, <laughs> Drew, why don't you plug your stuff and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, yeah. You can all follow me at, at Drew's underscore way. There's an S at the end of Drew there. And then you know, I'll eventually get around to writing something again for Blue Shirts Breakaway. Life's just been nuts, but I appreciate everyone holding tight. Me too. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. I always love chatting with you guys. Oh, Before pleasure. you go, I promised you a I promised Drew a nonsense question. So now we have to ask. Oh, him that's yeah, okay. Go on. As as a new father, Drew, uh-huh. you are given no weapons, and oh no, <laughs> they come out in increments of ninety seconds. How okay. many seven year olds can you fight off until you get overwhelmed? Seven year olds. Seven year olds. What the fuck? Um. Where'd you get this from? Uh, uh, I got I, I need the context first before I answer. <laughs> you need the context. All right. So think of it like a, a WWE ring, right? You're in the middle That's of the right. ring. I just, that, I'm just curious as to how you even thought of this question. Dude, when you work hours that I work in a newsroom that I work in with people who are all strung out either on coffee or of lack of sleep, things come up. All right? That's all, all right. I'm going to say. I would say I probably... I don't know. This is a no-win question, and you have a great job, 30. and I'll, don't I'll do put, it. Over under, no, no, I'll put the over-under at 30. Okay, that's good. I think I said like that. 12. So that basically means you can you can fight off seven-year-olds for an hour, and then at the end of the hour, you're starting to think to yourself, like, these fuckers aren't going to stop. Well, you know what? It really just depends on my motivation. Like, if my motivation is Declan's behind me, and I got to yeah. like, fight for him, then I could probably go forever. But if my motivation is just like, there is none, then <laughs> it's, it's life and death, Drew. That's your motivation. If you succumb to the seven year olds, you're dead. Oh, yeah, God. probably an hour. I'm probably succumbing after about an hour because then at that point, you're just tired and cranky. And it's like, you know what? Just kill me already. I just, just, I just the, the most Drew answer I've ever gotten is, What's my motivation? Really? <laughs> you don't want to just have like free reign to beat the shit out of seven year olds for a little bit? Some days. You know what, Drew? We'll let you stay on for the end here. I got two nonsense questions. We were, we were going to come back, but fuck it, you're here, right? You got five more minutes? Yeah, yeah. What's that? All right. Um, so we got a, a five-star question this week from our number two fan. Uh, our number one was taken. And they say, rank the top five Laffy Taffy flavors. Banana is far and away number one. That's well, what they No, banana is far and away number five. Banana artificial flavor is fucking disgusting. I'm with you immediately. That's what they said, not me. Yeah, here are my top five. I, I agree with that. Banana and Taffy is shit. Here are my top five flavors. They're all shit. So none of them are in Whoa, the top wrong. Blue raspberry is superior, and sour apple is also delicious. Then strawberry. Oh, here's a hot Stro- <laughs> Okay, you know what? I, I have a new answer to the question that what's the most overrated thing out there? It's, wow. It's sour apple or green apple flavored anything. No, Drew. 
<laughs> How could you? That's uh, that's Drew that's just it. whipping out his dick and saying, "Suck it." No. That was tough. So the, the worst thing that ever happened to Candy was when Skittles decided to switch from lime to green apple for the green one. I didn't even know they did that. That's how long ago I ate Skittles. Yeah. It's the worst. When I get Skittles now, I get Skittles here and there. I pick out all the green ones and throw them away. But then every once in a while, you get a, get like a red or a purple one that actually is a green one that just the jackasses at the Skittles factory put the wrong color on, and it kills me. Oh, they put the wrong color on it? I can only imagine. I just picture Drew oh, sitting God. by himself, like, reading prospect stuff, like watching a 17-year-old from Russia play hockey, and he pops the wrong one in, and the look on his face, like, absolute disgust. I spit it out immediately. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, and the other question we got randomly was from a person on Facebook who I... Cannot quickly bring up their name. Uh, this is awkward a little bit. Uh, please hold. Do, do, do. Yep. Please play some music. Anybody? Nobody? Okay. Inbox. No, I'm not going to. Wow. Really? Not for you. You don't want to hear me sing. Okay. All right. It's coming. It's loading. I'm. Uh, no. Okay. Taylor wanted us to talk about the uh, Howden, Buchnevich, and Lemieux line, and if we found something special with that line whatsoever. He, he sees, thinks yeah. it's a jack-of-all-trades sort of bottom six uh, kind of line. But where I think Buchnevich will be a top six winger no matter what happens next year. Greg, do you want to tackle this one first? Or? Um, I, do I think the Rangers found something special? No. But do I think all three of them kind of complement each other? In a way, I think so. I don't think that necessarily means the Rangers should keep them together for the next five years. Um, it, it, but it, it, it certainly seems to work because – What's the biggest gripe people have with Pavel Buchnevich? Sometimes he doesn't get his nose dirty along the boards. What's the one thing Brandon Lemieux loves to do more than anything else? Get, get his nose dirty along the boards. So, well, and what's even more to that, and expanding on that point, Greg, is you know another complaint people have of Buchnevich is he's really a perimeter player, um, and guys who are perimeter players need space to operate, and Lemieux creates that. I mean, you see when he's going crashing to the net like a bull in a china shop, like that opens up a lot of space for a guy like Buchnevich to dangle and do his thing with stick handling, and then he can see the ice better, make you know, and take advantage of the playmaking. And Buch is a really good playmaker, and so that's really how I think they complement each other really well. And that's one of the reasons why Tom Wilson works really well on the top line or the second line for Washington is because, again, he helps create the space for guys like Backstrom and Kuznetsov and Novetskin. We didn't actually talk about Brandon Lemieux with you, Drew. You were one of the few people that said Lemieux was exactly the kind of level prospect you should expect to get for Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I mean, he's a B-level. My thought going into it was the Rangers would get a first-round pick and a B-level prospect for Kevin Hayes. That's exactly what they got. If you're one of those fans saying that the Rangers got fleeced, you are an idiot. Um, Whoa! Brendan Lemieux. No, no, no. Well, still still listen to the true. podcast. Keep listening. Okay, go, go on, Drew. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's Brendan Lemieux's a B-level prospect. He's a guy that will be a, a long-time NHL player, barring injury, uh, but the worst, he'll be a fourth liner. I think he actually will probably be like a third liner for most of his career. That's a B-level prospect. People were disappointed in Nick, not getting Nick Patan, but I mean, Winnipeg's been trying to trade Patan for two years now, and you know, there's a reason why it's hard to trade for other teams' prospects because that team knows a lot more about that prospect than you do. And if a team's openly willing to trade a guy, absent of a Mark Stone type trade where it's just you're getting someone that's so good, you hand over a good prospect, like. Usually it's because they're a little bit damaged goods. And there's a reason, you know, Patan was a good gamble for Toronto to, to take. I think that was a good deal. 
But, you know, there's a reason why Winnipeg's been trying to trade Patan for two years, and he's got a long enough track record in the NHL to say, like, he might not be that good despite his underlying talent. And we've seen plenty of players that come along more talented than Nick Patan that didn't pan out in the NHL. All right. So it, it sounds to me, though, just to put a bow on this one, that it kind of sounds like you think Lemieux and Buchnevich work extremely well together and it might not have a whole lot to do with Brett Howden. He just happens to be along for the ride. Uh, not, I mean, Howden, I think, compliments them also because Howden is defensively responsible also and good on draws and he's decent in transition and he can hold his own in the offensive zone too. But really, it's I think for a player like Buchnevich, he needs a guy on his line to help him create space, whether that's Chris Kreider or Brendan Lemieux or Brett Howden. Um, but I think that's really the important part of unlocking Buchnevich's game is he needs space to operate. So he needs someone on his line to help create that space for him. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening this week. I, I uh, Bush <laughs> Breakaway, another great, fantastic week of all your Rangers news every Tuesday morning for the rest of eternity. Uh, for Greg, Ryan, and Drew, follow me at twitter.com. Orion Mead, follow Drew at Drew's underscore way, and follow Greg at Bushwood's Break. Goodbye, everyone. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.